On today's podcast, Jason Karn, Chief Compliance Officer of Total HIPAA Compliance, interviews David Smith. David is a nationally recognized health and welfare benefits compliance expert. Join us as the two discuss projections of HIPAA enforcement efforts by HHS and State Attorney General's offices and how this will affect agents and brokers. Welcome to 2019. What do you got your eye on, David, in 2019 from a compliance standpoint? There's ongoing action, particularly at the state level, on more and more data security requirements. And what we're already seeing is this kind of interesting interplay between the feds, who at least imply that they're going to back off a bit on HIPAA, and the states who I, who I believe are intending to get much more serious about it. And so we're already starting to see some of that kick in. California and New York have already kind of taken a step forward and now are in the midst of beginning to implement some new pieces. And I think all of that's a reflection of what I would call non-insurance-related privacy concerns that are going to naturally bleed down into benefits, insurance, anything else that's on the, that side of the regulatory environment. The Fed sort of backed off, but at the end of the year, there would seem to be a flurry. I think what you're seeing throughout the federal government right now mm-hmm. is kind of the yin and yang of you've got policy people who are trying to scale back the regulations and everything else. And then you've got the regular Joe who works for a federal regulatory agency whose job it is to enforce the law. So I'll give you a great example where you've got an administration who's largely anti-ACA, but you've got an entire office of people in Ogden, Utah, who are enforcing all the employer mandates and sending out you know, literally thousands of letters every day to employers saying, hey, you owe us X thousand dollars for not offering coverage. What we're seeing within HHS is at the top level, particularly within the Office of Civil Rights, this idea that, well, maybe we should relook at how we're applying HIPAA and high tech. But then you've got the people within the organizations who are like, dude, my job's still to enforce the law. The law hasn't changed. And there is just this constant wrath of people who make mistakes. Right. And, and, and I say mistakes as if people are without blame for that. Some of them are legitimate mistakes. Some of them are acts of unbelievable stupidity. Mm-hmm. And some of them are acts of overt disregard of the responsibility to protect the data that people have. And it's not unlike the things that, you know, we've talked about for years. Right. Where we knew eventually this was going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, uh, one of the, the big things we've been seeing this year is the carriers are getting involved. Um, and they're really driving these conversations and saying, all right, we're going we're gonna to force requirements. So we've seen this out of Tennessee was one of the big first ones. South Carolina is another one. Um, now we're starting to see the blues out of Florida do this. Um, we've actually sat in a, 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 a audit with United Healthcare of California and of Utah. So we've got a couple different clients that are out there. Have you seen any other carriers that are making moves towards this? Do you think the blues are going to expand more nationwide? We already see it expanding to some degree nationwide within the blues. But one of the things that seems very clear is that the blues are on the forefront of this because of what happened with Anthem. Right. 
And so the, you know, the Blue Cross and or the Blue Shield plans, depending on where they are, um, are all feeling the heat to make sure that people are being compliant. The big issue in this situation is ultimately about the kinds of insurance that the carriers buy for themselves for their own cyber liability protection. Right. And, you know, you look at what happened with Anthem. Ultimately, they've been ordered to pay and they've agreed to pay a $16 million penalty for their $80 million record breach from a couple of years ago. But that's not all the costs that they had. They're, you know, their end-of-the-day costs have been estimated to be as high as a quarter of a billion dollars in terms of hard cost of things they paid out for identity theft protection, uh, system changes, all the litigation, all the other things that have gone through. So the real dollar cost for them is a pretty big number. Right. Well, because of that, all of the blue plans are concerned about how do we make sure we can buy insurance for ourselves, which requires them to look and say, where are the places that the data is the most likely to get screwed up? Mm-hmm. And the answer to that question is a handful of places, but agents and brokers and consultants are a big big part of that. And so they want to make sure the people that they're entrusting access to information and data are actually protecting it. Right. You'll see United in the Blues at the forefront of that. You haven't seen a lot of action by Humana, Cigna, Aetna, a lot of the smaller players until something happens. But the biggest reason why the Blues are front and center is because of Anthem and United because they have a nationwide presence and a true nationwide presence that they've got to worry about. We did see something interesting from Aetna, requiring uh, agents to download a app that would scan to make sure that they, their their uh, device was encrypted. Yep. And that was that was very interesting because we had a couple of our, our our clients call in and say, what is this? Should we be doing this? And it's like, if you want to keep doing business, then yes, you should. And if you're working with us, we always say, you you got to encrypt your, 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 uh, your data. It just has to be. There's no way around that. At one level, this lack of understanding or appreciation for what people need to do. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of it, it's the... I get that email from Aetna or whoever, and my first reaction is, is this a legitimate email? Right. Because sometimes somebody wants you to put something on your phone or something that really isn't. Right. And so I think so much lack of communication from the carriers kind of feeds the second problem as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, I don't think we're at the, at the tail end of what people are going to want to have done. I think we're at the front edge of it. Right. And, you know, what hasn't happened yet is anybody that I know who's lost their appointment or anything else because of this. But I don't think it's going to be far away because it's like a lot of situations. One example will be used to make clear to everybody else why you don't do it this way. Right. I, I don't know of anybody whose contract's been pulled, but I also think that that has been by design. I don't think that... You know, the people who have been gone after and probably lost some contacts have been people who were pretty small to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that, you know, with so much consolidation, so much that's gone on out there, somebody's going to be made an example out of so that everybody else knows how serious serious it is. Um, You know, I'm always intrigued to read the annual kind of small disclosure list. And occasionally we'll see a few agents on there that have done that. But, you know, what we continue to run into is 
even a big lack of communication between vendors and clients. I'll give you an example of a, a employer that we've been working with uh, that's in East Tennessee, and they have been using a particular TPA that I'd never heard of, a third-party administrator who pays claims. So, you know, I pull up their website on my, on my iPhone, and at the top is a banner saying that they had a major breach that had never been disclosed to the client. Wow. The agent who had brought them in had never told them anything about this problem, and no one was sure if they'd been affected by it. Right. And, you know, those are the kinds of things that we're beginning to see have a, a level of expectation raised by the client, but also that I think agents either get it or they're going to have to get out of the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, we've seen a lot more people being interested and in starting to realize how important security is, um, privacy, all these aspects of it. They don't see it as a revenue generation. I was listening to a podcast and they, was th- they said it was like buying a mattress. It was a one of those purchases that you have to make, but you don't want to. They call it a grudge purchase. Yeah. And I kind of think of HIPAA compliance as that way. It's a grudge purchase, but there's actually a lot of benefit to it because it sets the stage for security across the board, which really, in the end, can save you a lot of time and money. You get into that situation where people you know, don't realize how much their asses are actually hanging out there when, they, yeah. when they're not compliant. But, but and it goes right to the, the, the mattress example of, you know, you never knew how great you could sleep until you got a new mattress. Right. It's interesting bringing that privacy and security mentality within an, an, an agency and then making it a part of even your sales process. So, you know, one of the things that the folks who work for me do is they go see a new prospect. And in the past, one of the things they would always emphasize was, well, I need you to sign an agent of record letter. I need you to to tell, for me to tell all these people that I'm going to be your new agent. Right. But now what my agents do is they walk in and say, hey, we're going to ask you to sign a business associate agreement and a non-disclosure agreement so that you're, you're going to give us some information. And we want you to know that when you give us that information, you're entrusting it with us. But we're also assuming responsibility to protect it. So we're trying to be very cautious about the information that you're giving us so that you know we're being very cautious about how we're going to use it. Clients and prospects really like that because then all of a sudden it's not give me your information, it's give me your information, but I'm taking responsibility to protect it. And by the way, don't email it to me. Yeah. Upload it to me via the secure website so I know it's encrypted. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of these kinds of things that really become second nature once you start doing it, right. but that clients particularly appreciate we speak to agents, they don't realize uh, what, you know, until somebody says something like that to them, they go, oh, well, I've always done it this way, or I don't, I, I didn't think about it. And especially in HR, I mean, because you're looking at these companies and these uh, HR is torn in, tw- you know, going in 20 different directions. So they're thinking the easiest way for me to do this is let me just email. But it's awesome if you say, hey, here's a portal. This is where I want you to put the information. This is what, how we're going to do this. And you give them a process. And then they're thinking, wow, why, why has nobody else told me this before? So that's actually a great marketing yeah. uh, marketing tool, too. Yeah, I mean, at the bottom of all our emails say, you know, don't email attachments to us, upload them here. Okay. And, and, and that just ultimately allows us to do, I mean, if somebody sends us information that's got PHI in it, mm-hmm. 
I mean, we don't have a liability because we received it. Right. But the clients violated the rules by sending it because mm-hmm. they're not sending it encrypted or anything else. Right. So by simply saying we're trying to protect you from having a problem, send it here so we get it securely and you don't have to worry about it. I mean, they appreciate the fact that somebody's looking out for them, not playing gotcha on them. Right. Right. I think the the mistake that's being made is that everybody thinks they can go out and buy something quick and easy as a burglar alarm and it's really going to protect them mm-hmm. when I think what you're going to increasingly see, and part of the reason why I think United and other carriers are starting to really do the systemic review mm-hmm. is they want to make sure that that it's actually going to protect the information. Right. I, th- I think what you're going to see is the states are going to really start holding everybody to a higher standard. Mm-hmm. And uh, interestingly, yesterday I got an email from one of my folks because one of our non-health carriers, somebody does dental and vision and other lines of coverage like that, sent us a letter saying, hey, we need you to sign this agreement saying you're going to comply with the New York cybersecurity rules. Mm-hmm. And here are the two things you've got to do. And, you know, one of them was about, you know, two-factor authentication about access to systems. Right. I mean, I, I could probably count on one hand the number of agencies that actually have something like that in place right. on their back office systems. Right. I've seen the curtain pulled back. And you, it's very rarely do you see somebody who's got a who's got strong authentication, like two-factor authentication. It's usually just a password, and maybe not even have a, a MAC address or an IP address authentication to make yeah. sure that it's the right person. Um, that that's what's fascinating. Yeah. So interestingly enough, when we were uh, in the United Healthcare audit, I think this was the one out of Utah that we were working with a client. They actually we had to do a screen share and actually show the Active Directory to the IT folks at United Healthcare and go through and show that there were unique passwords, unique user IDs for each of the users, and look at what kind of encryption was on there. So it was a, it was a fascinating look inside um, of what was going on because we were able to say, here's a policy you have, and we were correlating the policy, and then they would say, okay, now prove to us that you have done this. Tell my kid to be home by 11. That's our rule, be home by 11. Right. Now tell me you actually enforce that. Yeah. I mean, and, and I mean, the reality is, and I would say I'm guilty of this 10 years ago mm-hmm. of you got paper policies because nobody's ever going to ask you about how you're enforcing them. Right. And now, you know, obviously high tech changed a lot of that. But now it's not only that people expect you to enforce them, they actually can check and verify that you are mm-hmm. enforcing them. Right. And it's not going to take them showing up on your front door and going through everything they can do it remotely, and if you're not compliant, I mean, it, I've heard agents say to me probably two dozen times in the last six months, I don't know what the big deal is. I'm just doing what I've always done. Yeah, you're right. You are. Mm-hmm. And if I'm a carrier, that probably scares the hell out of me. Yeah, because all it takes is one bad email, one bad URL. You know, you put your information in the wrong place, send your information to the wrong people. And next thing you know, you've got a major headache on your hands. No. I know two agencies that have gone through um, pretty significant ransomware attacks. Mm-hmm. And in one situation, you know, wrote the check for 10000 Wow. And, and, and a lot of that came down to, first of all, not knowing how to deal with the situation. Mm-hmm. But the second, which was having no backups. That just... 
hurts to yeah. hear that. Because <laughs> I, I lost a drive. We've been using online backups and it was beautiful. I looked back and I was like, wow, I could take it back, to, you know, six months at least. I got to actually go back about a year and, and almost in like all these new, different iterations of states and go, you know, so if it had been a ransomware attack, I could say, well, you know, let's go back a week before, you know, this happened or this, you know, and so you're at least starting from a place where you have data and you only have to recreate a small portion of data instead of going, oh my God, I have to recreate this from scratch or pay the fine or pay yeah. the, the ransomware. Yeah. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of HIPAA Talk. If you have any questions for our experts, you can find us on Twitter at TotalHIPAA or visit our website, www.totalhippa.com or email us at info at Thanks for listening.